Chapter twenty of Bullfinch's The Age of Chivalry. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Age of Chivalry by Thomas Bullfinch. Chapter twenty. The Songrail. Continued. Sir Lancelot. Sir Lancelot rode overthwart and endlong in a wide forest, and held no path but as wild adventure lee him. My golden spurs now bring to me, and bring me to my richest mail, for to-morrow I go over land and sea in search of the holy, holy grail. Shall never a bed for me be spread, nor shall a pillow be under my head, till I begin my vow to keep, here on the rushes will I sleep, and perchance there may come a vision true, ere day create the world anew. Lowell's Holy Grail And at last he came to a stone cross. Then Sir Launcelot looked round him and saw an old chapel. So he tied his horse to a tree, and put off his shield, and hung it upon a tree, and then he went into the chapel, and looked through a place where the wall was broken. And within he saw a fair altar, full, richly arrayed with cloth of silk, and there stood a fair candlestick, which bare six great candles, and the candlestick was of silver. When Sir Launcelot saw this light, he had a great wish to enter the chapel, but he could find no place where he might enter. Then was he passing heavy and dismayed. And he returned, and came again to his horse, and took off his saddle and his bridle, and let him pasture, and unlaced his helm, and ungirded his sword, and laid him down to sleep upon his shield before the cross. And as he lay, half waking and half sleeping, he saw come by him two palfreys, both fair and white, which bare a litter, on which lay a sick knight. And when he was nigh the cross, he there abode still. And Sir Launcelot heard him say, O oh, sweet Lord, when shall this sorrow leave me, and when shall the holy vessel come by me, whereby I shall be healed? And thus a great while complained the knight, and Sir Launcelot heard it. Then Sir Launcelot saw the candlestick, with the lighted tapers, come before the cross, but he could see nobody that brought it. Also there came a salver of silver and the holy vessel of the Sangreal, and therewithal the sick knight sat him upright, and held up both his hands, and said, Fair sweet Lord, which is here within the holy vessel, take heed to me, that I may be whole of this great malady. And therewith upon his hands and upon his knees he went so nigh that he touched the holy vessel and kissed it, and anon he was whole. Then the holy vessel went into the chapel again, with the candlestick and the light, so that Sir Launcelot wist not what became of it. Then the sick knight rose up and kissed the cross, and anon his squire brought him his arms, and asked his lord how he did. "'I thank God right heartily,' said he, "'for through the holy vessel I am healed. But I have great marvel of this sleeping knight, who hath neither grace nor power to awake during the time that the holy vessel hath been here present.' "'I dare it right well say,' said the squire, "'that this same knight is stained with some manner of deadly sin, whereof he was never confessed.' So they departed." Then anon Sir Launcelot waked, and set himself upright, and bethought him of what he had seen, and whether it were dreams or not. And he was passing heavy, and wist not what to do. And he said, My sin and my wretchedness hath brought me into great dishonour, for when I sought worldly adventures and worldly desires, I ever achieved them, and had the better in every place, and never was I discomfited in any quarrel, were it right or wrong. And now I take upon me the adventure of holy things, I see and understand that mine old sin hindereth me, so that I had no power to stir, nor to speak, 
when the holy blood appeared before me. So thus he sorrowed till it was day, and heard the fowls of the air sing. Then he was somewhat comforted. Then he departed from the cross into the forest, and there he found a hermitage, and a hermit therein, who was going to Mass. So when Mass was done Sir Launcelot called the hermit to him, and prayed him for charity to hear his confession. With a good will, said the good man. And then he told that good man all his life, and how he had loved a queen unmeasurably many years. And all my great deeds of arms that I have done, I did the most part for the queen's sake, and for her sake would I do battle, were it right or wrong. And never did I battle all, only for God's sake, but for to win worship, and to cause me to be better beloved. And little or not I thanked God for it. I pray you counsel me. I will counsel you, said the hermit, if ye will ensure me that ye will never come in that queen's fellowship as much as ye may forbear. And then Sir Launcelot promised the hermit, by his faith, that he would no more come into her company. Look that your heart and your mouth accord, said the good man, and I shall ensure you that ye shall have more worship than ever ye had. Then the good man enjoined Sir Launcelot such penance as he might do, and he assailed Sir Launcelot, and made him abide with him all that day. And Sir Launcelot repented him greatly. Sir Percival. Sir Percival departed and rode till the hour of noon, and he met in a valley about twenty men of arms. And when they saw Sir Percival, they asked him whence he was, and he answered, Of the court of King Arthur. Then they all cried at once, Slay him! But Sir Percival smote the first to the earth, and his horse upon him. Then seven of the knights smote upon his shield all at once, and the remnant slew his horse, so that he fell to the earth. So had they slain him or taken him, had not the good knight Sir Galahad, with the red cross, come there by adventure. And when he saw all the knights upon one, he cried out, Save me that knight's life! Then he rode toward the twenty men of arms, as fast as his horse might drive, with his spear in the rest, and smote the foremost horse and man to the earth. And when his spear was broken, he set his hand to his sword, and smote on the right hand and the left, that it was marvel to see and at every stroke he smote down one, or put him to rebuke, so that they would fight no more, but fled to a thick forest, and Sir Galahad followed them. And when Sir Percival saw him chase them so, he made great sorrow that his horse was slain, and he wist well it was Sir Galahad. Then he cried aloud, Ah, fair knight, abide, and suffer me to do thanks unto thee, for right well ye have done for me. But Sir Galahad rode so fast that at last he passed out of his sight, when Sir Percival saw that he would not turn, he said, Now am I a very wretch, and most unhappy above all other knights. So in his sorrow he abode all that day till it was night, and then he was faint, and laid him down and slept till midnight, and then he awaked, and saw before him a woman who said unto him, Sir Percival, what dost thou hear? He answered, I do neither good nor great ill. If thou wilt promise me, she said, that thou wilt fulfil my will when I summon thee, I will lend thee my own horse which shall bear thee whither thou wilt. Sir Percival was glad of her proffer, and ensured her to fulfil all her desire. Then abide me here, and I will go fetch you a horse. And so she soon came back again, and brought a horse with her that was inky black. When Percival beheld that horse he marvelled, it was so great and so well apparelled. And he leapt upon him, and took no heed of himself. And he thrust him with his spurs, and within an hour and less he bare him four days' journey thence, until he came to a rough water, which roared, and his horse would have borne him into it. 
and when Sir Percival came nigh the brim, and saw the water so boisterous, he doubted to overpass it. And then he made the sign of the cross on his forehead. When the fiend felt him so charged, he shook off Sir Percival, and went into the water, crying and roaring, and it seemed unto him that the water burned. Then Sir Percival perceived it was a fiend that would have brought him into his perdition. Then he commended himself unto God, and prayed our Lord to keep him from all such temptations, and so he prayed all that night till it was day. Then he saw that he was in a wild place, that was closed with all the sea nigh about. And Sir Percival looked forth over the sea, and saw a ship come sailing towards him, and it came and stood under the rock. And when Sir Percival saw this, he hied him thither, and found the ship covered with silk, and therein was a lady of great beauty, and clothed so richly that none might be better. And when she saw Sir Percival, she saluted him, and Sir Percival returned her salutation. Then he asked her of her country and her lineage. And she said, I am a gentlewoman that am disinherited, and was once the richest woman of the world. Damsel, said Sir Percival, who hath disinherited you? For I have great pity of you. Sir, said she, my enemy is a great and powerful lord, and aforetime he made much of me, so that of his favour and of my beauty I had a little pride more than I ought to have had. Also, I said a word that pleased him not. So he drove me from his company and from mine heritage. Therefore I know no good knight nor good man, but I get him on my side if I may. And for that I know that thou art a good knight, I beseech thee to help me. Then Sir Percival promised her all the help that he might, and she thanked him. And at that time the weather was hot, and she called to her a gentlewoman, and bade her bring forth a pavilion. And she did so, and pitched it upon the gravel. Sir, said she, now may you rest you in this heat of the day. Then he thanked her, and she put off his helm and his shield, and there he slept a great while. Then he awoke, and asked her if she had any meat, and she said, Yea, and so there was set upon the table all manner of meats that he could think on. Also he drank there the strongest wine that ever he drank, and therewith he was a little chafed more than he ought to be. With that he beheld the lady, and he thought she was the fairest creature that he ever saw. And then Sir Percival proffered her love, and prayed her that she would be his. Then she refused him in a manner, for the cause he should be the more ardent on her, and ever he ceased not to pray her of love. And when she saw him well enchafed, then she said, Sir Percival, wit you well, I shall not give you my love, unless you swear from henceforth you will be my true servant, and do no thing but that I shall command you. Will you ensure me this, as you be a true knight? Yea, said he, fair lady, by the faith of my body. And as he said this, by adventure and grace, he saw his sword lie on the ground naked, in whose pommel was a red cross, and the sign of the crucifix thereon. Then he made the sign of the cross on his forehead, and therewith the pavilion shriveled up, and changed into a smoke and a black cloud. And the damsel cried aloud, and hastened into the ship, and so she went with the wind roaring and yelling that it seemed all the water burned after her. Then Sir Percival made great sorrow, and called himself a wretch, saying, How nigh was I lost! Then he took his arms, and departed thence. End of chapter 20